0: Hi there, folks. Thanks for listening to the Young UC Podcast. My name is Tim, and it's great to have you with us. And today is Sunday, November the 8th, 2020. Um, I was supposed to have this Sunday off, but it was a pretty big week um, in in events in, in Winnipeg or events in the world. I know so many people were carrying anxiety around the, uh, the election in the U.S., and um, It's amazing. Sometimes I I feel like here in Canada, uh, certainly in the circles I run through, people carry more anxiety around the US elections than they do the the Canadian ones, uh, which, I don't know, says a lot about, uh, well, lots of ways you can interpret that. So, uh I figured no perhaps I should uh do a little little reflection anyway at least on on this. Um so our scripture for today is um uh essentially the book of Jonah. Yeah, I hope this means something for you. I hope this offers you something and I hope that you are are well and that um that uh, the fall moves uh, towards Advent season and the hope and the reminder of, of, uh, of what is to come. And let us pray. Holy God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations in all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So around the year 400 BCE, give or take a few years, a soldier returning to Greece, he was a mercenary uh, serving um, in this area of the world, uh, returning to Greece after a a battle had been lost, and he and his, uh, his his other fellow soldiers, fellow Greeks, had to return and find their way back to, to, to Greece because they were in hostile territory. And during that return, they came across a city, and it was for the most part abandoned. Um, and it was a city that, well, he didn't know its name, he couldn't, it was a city that had lost its name by this point, and so he wrote about it, about these these ruins or, or what was left of this this obviously once great city, um, and then continued home. And you have to wonder, you know, what that's like to walk into a city that you you don't know anything about, you don't know what it is or or where it was. Um, what it was named just this sheer sense of enormity i mean it was a huge city and so what did that feel like for him for his his fellow soldiers walking into this place i imagine it would have sort of a haunting sense to it a sense of mystery and and wonder a sense of the auspicious and maybe an eeriness to it. He even ascribed it to, uh, he tied it into mythic legend um, as the home of Medea who was the wife of, uh, of Jason and the Argonauts. I can't help but wonder how much Xenophon, the, the, the soldier and his fellow Greeks, how much they carried this in their memory. And yeah, how much of a a story they made up in their minds or or when they got home to Greece, what they would tell others about it or, or, or where their imaginations wandered to. A lot of people, certainly not universally agreed upon, but there are many, who believe that this city, given its location in the description, were was the city of Nineveh, which is the city that Jonah is told by God to go to. Jonah is told by God to go to Nineveh, a uh, city, and to, to preach repentance, to have them turn their lives around. Um, otherwise, you know, they'd be destroyed. And so Jonah goes and, well, I mean, he's arguably the most successful prophet in the Old Testament. I've heard that argument made before because he gets them all to change and they turn things around and they're saved. The city that Xenophon walked through, was about a couple hundred years removed from being uh, the largest city in the world at one point, the heart of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire was powerful, it was vast, and it was brutal. And one of the key points in the book of Jonah is that Jonah does not want to go there. He does not want to go and preach repentance to the people of Nineveh, and the reason he doesn't want to go there is because he hates them so much. He hates them so much because they were a nation, they were an empire that did so much damage to the Israelite community. It was the Assyrian empire that that swept in and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and carried them aw- carried them off and wiped them off the map. It was the Assyrian empire that came in and slaughtered who knows how many people in the southern kingdom of Judah before they were finally turned away at uh, at the walls of Jerusalem. It sort of depends on the whose story you read about it um there's some some archaeological evidence that you know it was uh the assyrians turned away because uh well because they made the judeans uh submit and there's some um, evident well the scriptural evidence is what the scripture says is that god turned them away so who really knows what happened there But let it suffice to say, Jonah had no interest in going to the Ninevites because he hated them, because they had done so much damage, because the war machine that was the Assyrian war machine had killed thousands upon thousands of his fellow people. Now, bear in mind, this is a a mythic story, so, so we don't know You know, Jonah is sort of speaking on behalf of all of Israel, not, not as a specific individual. But anyone who read the book of Jonah or heard the book of Jonah would know when they said, oh, he went to Nineveh, they'd know, oh, that city, them. And Jonah didn't want to go to them. Because he hated them. Anytime there's an election, whether it's in the States or in Canada here, I'm sure if you're listening from some other country, you're probably used to it as well. The amount of partisanship that we witness, whether it's um, in the news, or on my Facebook feed, or wherever, is often overwhelming. And this past election in the States was no different. In fact, even after it became clear that Joe Biden would, would win the election, I began to see disdain appear on my Facebook feed as people began lamenting about how they couldn't believe that half the u.s population was was fascist or 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 whatever. Um, it was along those lines. How do we get there? Much of my audience, much of the people I interact with would be considered to be uh, on the progressive side or liberal side or left-wing side if you want to divide things into spectrums like that. So so that's the audience I'm generally speaking to, but that doesn't mean I don't have much to say to the quote-unquote other side because I think all of us are culpable in this. Jonah hated the Ninevites, all of them. It wasn't just their military policy. It wasn't just their uh, leadership. It was all of Nineveh that he hated. For what happened to his country and to his people. And I can't say I blame them. I get it. You can read about what the Assyrians did to, to people they conquered. And it's brutal and horrendous and and nightmarish even. So I get why Jonah hated the Assyrians. I get why Jonah hated Nineveh and did not want to go there and preach repentance. And I also get why people are so angry at at Donald Trump and I get why people are questioning those who would support him I get it You know the past 4 years have been from for me and for the people that I I I Engage with often on these matters has been one story after the next, not only of of corruption and misogyny and 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 racism and and violence and undemo- undemocratic um, actions. It's been awful to watch. Simply put, it's been terrible and heartbreaking and and scary even. What's interesting to me though is that Jonah doesn't not just want to go to Nineveh because he hates the Ninevites. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he knows that if he convinces them to repent, to change their ways, if they do, then God's love and God's grace will come to the fore for the people of Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't want that. And this is interesting. For two reasons. First, it tells us a lot about us. It tells us a lot about you and me and who we are as humans. It tells us how deep tribalism rests within all of us. And how easy it is for those for that tribalism to be uh, inflamed to, to stoke that fire and to bring it to the front. And there are, are people and groups that are very effective at doing this, and that will do it for their own ends. But this also tells us a lot about God. And how God sees the world. One of the realizations I had over the past month or so, and I guess I've maybe always known it, but I've never been able to, to give it the language that I'm able to now, is that the tribes we have, the ideological tribes that we've built for ourselves, are very often based on sources of authority. On who's our source of authority or what's our source of authority. It's where we get our information from. So we have different news stations, 24-hour news stations, which cater to different perspectives. And they don't cater to different perspectives in the sense of, hey, if everyone watches them all, that's great. They cater to different perspectives of this is our station and that's their station. Social media is another example of, of this. The, the algorithms that they have written into various social media um, programs, apps, uh, websites um, that know how long you look at different articles that know what you like to click on and so feed you more, feed you more. And so our sources of authority begin to pull apart from each other. And this has been happening for, for, for some time. We, we no longer have a single narrative that we interpret in different ways. Now we have entirely different narratives of what's going on in the world. So for some people, they might look at Donald Trump and see this great threat to democracy because of the sources of authority they have. And yet other people will look at Donald Trump and see the only salvation of, the, uh, of democracy, the defender of democracy, because of the sources of authority they have. Like, were the people of Assyria The Ninevites? The Ninevites? Not sure what that would be. Were they aware that they were the bad guys? Or were they the good guys in their eyes? Were they doing what what needed to be done for the, the security and peace and safety of the empire? I mean, that's the same. That's Roman ideology, too. This, is, this stretches out into the New Testament as well. The Roman ideology was that if we want peace, the best way to get peace is through violence. And once we get violent and we, we make peace, there is peace, and that's a good thing. Romans weren't going out and being like, yeah, let's just go and be bad. And the Syrians weren't going out being like, yeah, let's just go out and be bad. It came from a very different source of authority. So when we look at it that way, does that mean that half of the United States is fascist? No. Are there some who are? Yes, absolutely. I don't know what the proportion is. I I don't want to guess that. But are there those who truly believe that voting for Donald Trump means supporting democracy? Yes. And they would look at the left and see that as a real threat to democracy. And that's because we have different sources of authority. And the danger with different sources of authority, the danger of these tribalisms that we always find ourselves in, is that we're always going to lose. If you're a Democrat or a Republican or a liberal or a new Democrat or a conservative or whatever the different parties are in whatever country you are in, every four years or five years is going to be a time of tremendous anxiety and worry. And for a big chunk of the population, it's going to be a time of tremendous grief and pain and rage. And for another portion of the population, it's going to be a time of great joy and celebration. And then it comes back again. And no one ever wins. We have it in our minds that one side One source of authority is right, the other side is wrong, and one of those sides is going to win. And it's not going to happen. The Assyrians thought they were going to win. But only a couple hundred years after they marched down into into Israel and Judah, Xenophon walked through their abandoned great city. You can say this for great civilizations. You can say this for for different political parties or political ideologies. No one ever wins. If you're a Democrat, or if you're a Republican, or if you're here in Canada and you're a liberal, or if you're a conservative, or if you're a new Democrat or Green Party, I got news for you. You're not going to win. You won't. It might look like you're winning for a time, but it won't last. You're going to lose. All of us are going to lose so long as we maintain this sense of tribalism. And not tribalism in the sense of having different opinions. That's okay. That's a good thing. That's just, you know, that's, that, that means more perspective on the world. The tribalisms which see the other side, and not the leaders, I'm not talking about the leaders or anything like that, but the the whole collective other side as being solely evil. As long as we live that way, and often we'll tell ourselves, oh, I'm not that way, I'm really not, but deep down, we probably are. as long as we live that way, we're gonna lose. Because each side is gonna try and beat the other. And eventually the side that's down will win and become the side that's up. And the other side will push back, push back, push back. And eventually that side which is down is gonna win And it goes back and forth. And maybe every four years or eight years, or maybe it might take longer than that. I mean, you can just look at the rise and fall of empires. But it's going to happen. And so what our scripture does is it offers the alternative. And the alternative was what Jonah was so afraid of because he was so stuck in the way things are he wasn't able to look at the way things could be the alternative was not condoning what the Assyrians did but the alternative was loving the Assyrians You see, God is able to see past the Facebook algorithms which give us our news. Which tell us the way things are. God watches all the news stations and knows more than all of them put together. And so God chooses an alternative path. And we see this alternative in the story of Jonah. And we see this alternative in the story of Christ. I mean, this is the story of Jesus on the cross. A lot of Jesus' supporters wanted him to be the Messiah who comes with a sword and, and decimates all the, the Roman occupation and destroys, turns over the, the temple authorities and makes everything new. But Jesus knew that that just creates a cycle and feeds into the loop. And so he chose a different route. And that's the cross. Because the cross doesn't just beat one side. It beats all sides. It turns over the whole world, the whole system of antagonism that we live in. The cross takes whatever antagonism is thrown at it and just radiates back love. And so that's what Christians are called to follow and called to be. We don't just try to beat the other side. The call of Christianity is to take systems that depend on othering, to take structures that survive and thrive on stoking hatred, and to love them into non-being. And make no mistake, this is our system. One that feeds off the creation of enemies. The call of Christianity is to throw the whole antagonistic system out. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Young UC podcast. If you liked what you heard, go to youngunitedchurch.com. There you can hear past sermons, listen to music, follow our weekly worship, and learn a little bit more about who we are and some of the outreach that we do. All of our work in the world, from supporting outreach in Winnipeg, to sponsoring refugees, to creating content for listeners like you is supported by donations. If you'd like to support us, please find us through Canada Helps or directly through our website. Thanks very much, and have a good day.